manipulation in the sense that like if you go to the chiropractor and they manipulate your back, they are just moving or shifting something that is already there. And that's essentially what persuasion is. You're moving or shifting beliefs in that so they align with a message that essentially sells a product, right? Or, or a service or an offer. This is for the others out there, the other ambitious people who want to play at a higher level in their life. It's time to get curious and get real. Join me, and together, let's find the others. Hey, everybody, welcome back to another episode of Find the Others podcast. I am your host, Joshua Church. Grateful to have you with us. New episodes are dropping every Wednesday and Sunday, so be sure to hit the subscribe button so that you can get the notification when a new episode comes out. And give me a follow on Instagram at Joshua Dean Church to catch different clips and highlights that I post. Also, if you're enjoying the podcast, you find something that might be valuable, please be sure to share it with a friend who also might be into it so that together we can continue to grow our tribe of others. Today, I've got a great conversation queued up with Sean Kemp. Sean has generated multiple eight figures online, leveraging both influence and persuasion. Now he's passionate about taking the clutter out of business. And his minimalist approach to grow a business online has grabbed the attention of entrepreneurs around the world. He's one of the most talented copywriters out there and just one of the coolest cats you'll ever meet. And he's worked with some of the best known entrepreneurs to help them convert sales online, generating over $10 million in just three years. We had a great combo around the psychology of influence, how we can use it in our everyday life, the ethical implications of it, the power it gives us, manipulation versus persuasion. And we also geeked out on some biohacking and health and wellness, which is always fun. And give him a follow on Instagram at Sean.Kemp. And you can request free access to his Facebook group with 60 plus expert interviews on how to grow and monetize your audience. Ladies and gentlemen, Sean Kemp. All right, Sean, welcome, brother. <laughs> What's up, man? How are you? I'm doing really well. It's great to see your beautiful face and uh, <laughs> great to catch up again. Likewise, dude. I think you have me beat on the bookshelf behind you. So <laughs> yeah, uh, I yeah. I was like, damn, that is quite the bookshelf. That's like a wall of books, man. Yeah, that I, is I a got, wall of books. I got most of my books on Kindle, so I, uh, <laughs> I'm pretty sp- uh, scarce here. Uh with the amount of books that I have in person, but, and I was actually, you know, since I live in a small, like pretty small apartment, uh, yeah. well, I guess, um, you know, I try to save space as much as I can. So, right. Right. I like it. You've got, you've got the walls full of digital books. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. And, uh, you're in your first, is this your first winter? Not in the snow? Is that second. right? No, your second. It's the, yeah. It's got the it. Second. So, uh, I got used. I I I don't think I'll ever get used to it fully. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just super grateful to yeah, because I moved from Chicago to 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 Scottsdale, Arizona. Yeah. So totally different environment. Um, actually, didn't even mind the 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 summer too much. Like it kind of sucks. Yeah. But it's uh, better than you know nine months of doom and gloom. You know. For for sure. For sure. Uh, well, anyway, I'm glad that you're here. We're, we're making, you're making your way West in the right direction towards San Diego. So that's, <laughs> yeah. we're, we're moving in the right direction. Um, dude, I'm excited to kind of pick your brain here and, and, and have a good chat. Um, you know, one of the things that I, um, that I really, uh, am inspired by the way that you operate is not only your ability to communicate in such clear and profound ways, Um, but your generally your like genuine desire to use those use that communication, use marketing, use copy, use sales to really help the good guys and really help people. So I'd love to just kind of just jump right in here and pick your brain a bit about when, like, first off, what would you say that you do? If someone, if you, if you meet someone, what is it that you actually say that you do? Because I feel like that might be hard to sum up. Uh, well, you know, I, I've kind of uh, simplified it into just like I simply monetize attention. 
So mm. if somebody has attention, I'll be able to find a way to monetize it. Uh, and we're not talking like sponsorships and stuff like that, but actually solving problems that um, the the people, the attention that they have um, might have in their lives. So um, generally, I'm pretty good at finding what people are most uh, are really good at and finding where they kind of like fit into the market. Um, and, uh, you know, it could be all around the world. Uh, it doesn't matter the industry. Of course, you know, I've worked with physical products, supplement lines and, and things like that, but also, you know, the ever growing field of, um, education, the education industry, uh, and the coaching industry and the consulting industry. And, you know, a lot of these people have all these amazing gifts and don't really know how to, um, you know, put it out there in the world that attracts, you know, new business and new opportunities for them. So, you know, over the last, uh, I think it was seven years now or past, so 2013 was my first business. So technically this is the eighth year. Um, and, uh, that's crazy to say, I can't believe it's been so long. (laughs) Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, like ever since, you know, I, I realized that, you know, I, I can c- kind of just see where um, people should go uh, and mm. the like untapped potential that they have to, you know, essentially like service a market that's being underserved. Right, right. Very cool. Seeing how that pairs in because, yeah, you can love to do things or be able to bring value, but is there an actual need for that in the marketplace? So being able to really position and pair that, I, I feel like is, is, is huge. And I mean, there's only two things that make a business successful or fail and, uh, it's product market fit and market message match. So like messaging mm-hmm. is obviously very important, but if you realize like what's a part of both the market, so like a lot of people service a market with the product they don't want. Um, but let's say they have 75% of it. They're 75% of the way there. Um, then they need the messaging, right? Like, how do I, like, how do I, you know, get a channel desire of an audience onto my products? And oftentimes that's where I come in. Um, a lot of people already doing it partially successfully and just want it done a hell of a lot better. Right. Or, you know, sometimes like, you know, I, I get so many different people at different levels reaching out to me for different things. Yeah. And, uh, you know, um, luckily I've been able to streamline my business. So I, I can't try, you know, I'm not trying to service everybody in the world, uh, which would be mm. quite the task. But, um, but it, it, you know, a lot of people don't even have, they're like not even in the right market, you know, so. Right. And uh, I love you said channel desire. How, how do you channel desire? Um, so there's, uh, uh, there's, hold on, let me, (laughs) let me, there, there's a simple, um, 27 word, um, sentence of Mm -hmm. persuasion. Essentially it talks about, you know, the hopes, fears, desires, dreams of somebody. Um, Mm -hmm. so using the hopes, fears, desires, dreams, uh, and, um, all also the enemies of somebody mm-hmm. and leveraging those things um and how they and connecting them with the product so like somebody already has those things so they have enemies they have fears uh they have desires um they have wants um they have pains and problems and um like obviously connecting those things to a product. So how do we do that? Is essentially, you know, obviously it's, it's copywriting, right? Uh, there's sales, you know, sales enablement content. Um, the other things like how we channel it psychologically, it's really just like knowing what those things are because you are speaking to a specific audience. So like knowing what they are, addressing those things, and then being able to, you know, obviously, uh, transition that into like oh of course i know these things well here's how to get rid of them or here's how to um achieve your Mm -hmm. most wanted desires right um so you know there's a much more 
complex answer to that, but yeah, I, I, yeah, no, that yeah. that's definitely a really cool high level overview. I'm, I'm so th it, this is just like so much of just human psychology and persuasion and influence here. Does did did you study any of this? Did you just how did you learn this? Um, so I went to school for finance, physical therapy, and what people don't know about physical therapy is that. So I was actually a numbers guy to be honest, but I got infatuated with psychology almost haphazardly in college and marketing and like how people sell products. And like uh, the story I've never told essentially is that um, freshman year, um, I came in shockingly as I want, because I liked weather. Uh, I came in as a meteorology major. And uh, within a few weeks, I noticed I wasn't like everybody else in the class. And I didn't want to go look at radar on Friday nights. <laughs> and uh you know, I was like, I got to change. And, you know, at the time I was in the Air Force, um, so I like wanted to do it for the Air Force. And I was like, you know, after a few weeks in that, I was like, I'm uh, this isn't it, you know. Um, and uh, backstory, obviously. But um, my roommate, I was telling my roommate, I got to transfer to some other college. I don't know what I'm going to do, but whatever. And then his uh, his rich uncle uh, came to visit us. I don't know why or what. Um, by the way, my roommate is now an MD, so he's a doctor, uh, and cool. uh, doing super well for himself. But uh, his his um, uncle, very rich uncle, came and, and uh, he had graduated from the same college. And it's like I really want to transfer. He's like, look at my uncle, dude. Look at how successful he is, and he's a businessman. He just learned business. He learned how to sell stuff to people, you know. And that's what I remember. And I was like that's what I need to do. Like that's, that's like, there's so much, it, it, you know, I, I wouldn't feel confined to like only doing well weather. Right. I, I won't right. feel confined. Like business is such a, a broad thing. You can, you can do this business, that business. Like there's so much opportunity. Um, so obviously I, I was like, Oh, you know, I'll just start a physical therapy chain. Right. So that's why I did the physical therapy major. Got but, it. Um, the reason why I bring this up is because, what people don't know is you, you take more psychology classes than anything else uh, when you're doing undergrad for physical therapy. It's like, yeah, there's anatomy, kinesiology, you know, things like that, biology, chemistry, uh, um, you know, uh, math and, and stuff like that. But um, there's a ton of psychology. I think I took six psychology classes. Hmm. And uh, the one that fascinated me the most was uh, studying like serial killers and like, uh, which obviously is nothing like abnormal because people Net watch Netflix is like that's how everybody gravitates towards that on Netflix. Yeah, but it, yeah. I mean, it was like so bizarre and interesting. And I got really into psychology and like how humans behave. And, you know, I learned a lot about myself and what, you know, like the subconscious mind and, mm. you know, what triggers me and, you know, what's going to make you happy and um, I got really into the personal development stuff after that. And, you know, obviously it's like, oh, like this is how things connect. And, you know, like I learned a lot about myself and what I wanted and why I wanted them and like the layers of it. Um, and like when you're really like now I'm a student of people and like I want to learn about how people hmm. act and and uh, what makes them desire things and, um, you know, why why they uh, create habits and how they create habits and what makes somebody buy online and what makes somebody trust you and uh like what makes someone charismatic like all these mm. things that are like super uh intriguing to me um so like you know just out of pure passion for like learning about people i just like started to be able to connect the dots um it's very cool and it makes you a good marketer so I always say like, you know, for somebody who wants to be like an, a standout marketer um, or somebody who wants to grow their business, marketing is essential. Um, you know, be a student of people and understand that like psychology is the foundation of marketing. So um, I like that. That's a note coming down with me. Psychology is the foundation of marketing. Now, um, you mentioned earlier, you mo monetizing attention it feels like attention is the most sought after commodity these days what are your thoughts on that sought after commodity um well <clears throat> you are right in the fact that if you have attention you don't know how to monetize it it, it, it 
is worth it has no worth hmm. um and uh attention is online particularly more abundant than ever before but also more difficult to keep than ever before right so while it's easy very easy like to get attention it's very hard to keep attention to keep it so to keep attention and then obviously monetize that attention so i really think you know obviously there's plenty of options and plenty of channels plenty of ways to get attention you can pay for attention you can pay google ads facebook ads snapchat ads you can do it organically you can go on tiktok i know plenty of people have grown hundreds of thousands of followers on tiktok they have plenty of attention but they don't know how to turn that into an income right and like um I always say it's a, it's much easier to to uh, uh, create, uh, you know, let's say you had a TikTok, right? It'd be much easier to create a TikTok around a business than to create a business around the TikTok. Because mm. then like, you know, obviously both are very possible, but it'd be easier if you knew how it would directly lead into your business rather than, okay, well... I created all these uh, funny uh, dog videos. Well, now now you're kind of stuck in like the specific niche that you are mm. are in, right? The people so, are following you for. Yep, exactly. And uh, you know, there's different, uh, you know, different levels of influence that you'll have on different right. platforms, obviously. And um, you know, it, it depends also where somebody is. Like if <laughs> if they're an influencer that just influence you know they they have a social media profile they don't necessarily have a business um whereas somebody you know who has a business they 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 think the number one thing they need is attention um and uh, that's why those partnerships have obviously gone uh gone pretty viral everybody wants to do them and um but yeah i mean honestly yeah. like i i don't i don't think necessarily that attention is a commodity uh, but I, I think it is very like, uh, it's, it's very easy to get and very hard to keep. Interesting. Yeah. I like that. So w what do you do to keep attention? Cause it seems like you get attention, especially if you, I mean, I know the way that at least Facebook ads works too. It's like, if you outbid the other people then you can get all the attention you want, but how do you actually keep attention just in, in with our human species right now with our society with where people are at what's one tip to actually keeping attention um so hollywood's done this forever but uh i mean essentially keeping attention is keeping something un unfinished uh or without concluding so essentially open loops are the best way to keep attention because like people uh if you think about in relationships or in anything in life, people want closure. Um, and if you don't give them closure, they're obviously going to want to stay until they can get closure. But then if you open another loop and another loop and another loop, you know, it's that's how you keep attention. Um, and uh, obviously... This is, this, is, this is why we watched how many seasons of The Office until Jim and <laughs> Pam finally get together. And it's like they get close and it just drives you crazy, but you keep watching. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, they, they do it so well. Screenwriters do it so well because otherwise, you know, you could watch the pilot series or the pilot episode and, and never watch another one again. Right. Um, and they can they can put all the trailers in front of you and you can watch the first one and be done. So, um, you know, and, and it's even shorter now. Like, you aren't going to get an hour of somebody's time initially. Right. You, might, you might get five seconds. You know? <laughs> right. So. It's like it's in those first couple seconds, right? So I'm sure right. the, the first line of copy that they read, the headline, the subject, whatever it is, like that's got to be the most important thing, no? Yeah, and and there has to be some sort of promise that you are going to entertain them or um or you're going to solve some type of pain or problem for them. Mm -hmm. Um if there is no like indirect or direct relation to one of those two things then it's unlikely that somebody is gonna want to stick around you know yeah. you got to provide value which i feel like is a good shift at least from what i'm seeing is you can't the the clickbait and the 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 empty promises aren't working as much people like i mean everybody gets hit up on instagram or you see the things it, but you actually the way to stand out is by providing that real value do you see that shift happening um, so like 
providing value is really important. Um, but providing value in an entertaining way is another level. So like, I think a lot of people provide value or what they would see as value. Mm. Um, but it could be boring in, bl- in a bland and boring way. You can take somebody else. Like, honestly, there's plenty of people that probably have very valuable content, but it's just not entertaining. Um, and depending on the platform, like let's say you're doing it on, on Facebook or Instagram, like if it's not entertaining, if your story isn't interesting, if the way that you say it isn't, uh, isn't enticing yeah. then you know it doesn't matter if you're offering value um you know the people are on the platform for a specific reason um interesting so so yeah providing value like it really depends like you can you know there are channels for that like youtube obviously you can start putting a lot of how-to videos on there and start getting some traction um because you're providing value right um but the, you know, it, it really depends on the platform. But I would say, you know, uh, the people that stand out and can keep attention are entertaining, yeah. um, are interesting to listen to. Like, you know, even if a teacher is really good at teaching the subject, if they're not entertaining and interesting to listen to, and they're boring and they're monotone, like it's gonna suck, right? Like, there's you're gonna lose their attention to the class really quickly. So, um, yeah, I mean, being entertaining, interesting, sharing things in new ways. Um, despite somebody hearing it dozens of times, will give you an edge, you know? That's why I think that charismatic people um, always tend to do better in business. Because mm, they can bring that, they can bring other messages or old things into new, into their own edge? They can keep attention, essentially. Got it. And, uh, charismatic people can, are the people that are, that walk into a room and uh, they have, you know, five, seven, nine people huddle around them. And uh, they're telling a story and everybody's laughing, right? Mm. And uh, that's what I think about as somebody that's like a charismatic leader. Um, you know, I really think like if Elon Musk talks, like there's going to be something he says that's really bizarre or interesting. I think Joe Rogan, the way he interviews people is very bizarre and interesting. He can keep attention for a very long time. And uh, I mean, obviously we're on podcasting. Uh, we're on a podcast right now. So, you know, um, the more interesting you are, uh, like, you know, asking very bizarre questions that people like, you know, like, oh my God, did he really ask that? Or like, wow, this is really interesting what he's saying, you know? And, uh, you know, I, I really think that you being charismatic gives you an unfair advantage. Hmm. Um, and one thing to note too is, uh, there's a book called charisma myth, the charisma myth. So if anybody thinks like, oh, you're born with charisma, it's, uh, um, you know, I, I suggest you read that. <laughs> Interesting. What, yeah. what are, what do you think the factors are that go into charisma since you've, you know, kind of, kind of studied this? Yeah. So, um, what makes that person in the room with the people huddled around them? Like I, it's, it's fascinating to see that and fascinating to think about that, especially as it relates to marketing and sales and copyright. It makes total sense. Yeah. So, uh, really observing like, uh, experiences at a deeper level and, uh, you know, the the better you are at connecting, like connecting multiple different things and like, oh, you remember when this and then like using nostalgia and things that people are going to relate to immediately and connect with. I think charisma has a lot to do with the audience, too. That's the thing that people forget is like, you know, you could tell the same story to two different types of people and one might think you're amazing and hilarious and the other one might think you're boring and bland, you know. And, uh, I mean, that, a lot of comedians feel that way, but, uh, if you want to be more charismatic, I mean, honestly, think about like watching some, uh, comedy shows and, and, uh, and like also, um, be an observer. Um, you know, I, I, I spend the most of my time not talking, so I, I love to observe and, and listen to what other people have to say. And, you know, you know, I, and then I have my own essential like thoughts and reports about them um as it's happening and you know like how that relates to other things that have happened and you know connecting them to my history and the nostalgia of it and how it relates to other people it's really the connections that that you make and how well you make them um and communicate that will make you very charismatic you know obviously storytellers are going to be the most uh seen as the most charismatic 
and uh, getting good at telling stories, just as if, you know, it's one thing telling stories to a group of friends and another thing telling them to a group of strangers. And if you can keep the attention of a group of strangers, then I would say that you're, uh, you've done a pretty damn good job of being uh, an interesting and entertaining person. Mm, fascinating. And does that lead to like a trust factor that people have with you then at that point? Um, yeah, so that's that's essentially likability. Um and uh what's um I'm trying to think of the book. Um I believe it's from Influence. Six different ways to influence somebody and, and one is likability. Got it. Um Yeah, I think that's a Robert Caldini mm-hmm. influence. That's right. That's right. That's a that's a pretty classic one in this in the space. <laughs> definitely and uh yeah i mean the thing is 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 uh i mean do i think that somebody needs to be charismatic to be successful in business no i don't do i think it'll be easier for them in this this economy most definitely um there's plenty of introverts like you know i would say I, i'm i'm more leaning towards introvert than extrovert mm-hmm. and i you know you, you can be very very successful without you know being you know uh, very extroverted, extremely charismatic, but it will do you a lot of good if you if you learn how to connect with other people like that. That it, you know, we're in the business of relationships, and uh, you're in relationships with your customers, you're in relationships with your leads, you're in relationships with your prospects and and uh, team members and uh, partners and and all those things. And like we're in the business of relationships, so if you know how to connect with them at a deeper level, you will always have an unfair advantage among everybody else out there. Hmm. Yeah, I like what you're saying about the the being able to connect the dots, being an observer. And the way that I think about it is being a student and a teacher. It's like learning and observing from different things and then being able to share or teach on those things as well to be able to then communicate that or tell that story. It's like observing that first step and then being able to share, connect those dots in a in a compelling way that really garners and keeps attention and improves that likability. And I'm sure the other influence factors as well. Yeah. And, you know, obviously um, I'm very hesitant to say this um, because I do think that we're uh, over consuming uh, right now as like a whole, Mm -hmm. like if we look at like we're over consuming content, but I think we're over consuming random bits of content that we'd never remember again. Um, you know, it's, it's important, obviously, as I'm a writer, or I would consider myself a writer in a sense. Um, I'd say, I think it's fair to just to say you're a writer. (laughs) Well, I I think that what makes me the best writer is actually the, the time I, I do reading. So I, I read much more than I write. Um, and, you know, pulling stories, ideas, concepts, um, from other people and connecting the dots and making your own assumptions and and uh, you know connecting them to your life events and experiences is what makes you what what makes me seem like I'm a good writer because I'm able to you know make connect make connections that haven't been made before um, or say things in new and different ways and um, that's because of like you know I, I'm able to consume the the right bits of content at the right time that helps me make those connections um so yeah yeah that's really yeah that's really interesting i like that i something that i remember you said a while ago was the best marketers or the best researchers or something like that something along those lines of of the first step into any marketing or copy or things that you're doing is research 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 Mm, yeah, and that's it. Should be for any business, research and development, yeah. right? Research and development. Um, and people forget, you know, like we we're in an era right now where it's so easy to research and find answers to things. Um, like there's websites like Quora, Reddit, Amazon, um, especially Amazon reviews that will give you so much language and insight into your customers' problems. Uh, and, and it's really your job to find them and to articulate them. Um, so they, you know, obviously, um, channel the desires onto your product. Yeah. These, so these are powerful principles and techniques 
and ways of influence that we're talking about here. Do you feel that like these are the same things that have led charismatic leaders to do really horrible things in the world as well or that led people to influence other people in maybe not the most moral or ethical ways? Do you see that side of things as well? How do you how do you reconcile that? Um yeah, I mean, some people would call, you know, psychology and understanding it at the deepest level of manipulation. Mm-hmm. What do you say uh, to that? And, and uh, I had a I had a whole debate in my uh, my group actually about manipulation versus uh, persuasion. Mm. And uh, you know, a lot of people had opened my eyes to the fact that uh, by technical definition, those two things can be the same. Uh, manipulation. In the sense that, like, if you go to the chiropractor and they manipulate your back, they are just moving or shifting something that is already there. And that's essentially what persuasion is. You're moving or shifting beliefs in that so they align with uh, a message that essentially sells a product, right, or or a service or an offer. Um, So... You know, manipulation, however, as it is perceived by American culture, is negative, whereas persuasion gives you power. So I would prefer to care more about how the words are perceived rather than their technical definition. Mm -hmm. So like if we're going to be technical, they you can make a very strong argument to say they are the same. I believe there's even a clip that Dan Kennedy, one of the like godfathers of marketing, uh, especially direct response marketing, says that, you know, they are one of the same. Um, and when you think like when I start to mention, you know, manipulation as a form of, you know, like a chiropractic adjustment. Yeah, it makes sense. People totally. are people are like, oh, you know, like so I'm like changing how they view manipulation in a way. Right. But it's still very it, like if you use it in normal conversation, it's going to be perceived negatively. Mm-hmm. Um, like people don't want to learn how to manipulate their prospects, but they want to learn how to persuade them. Right. Um. And so, you know, I care more about, like like I said, how it's perceived. And I think that one is perceived with power and the other perceived negatively. Um, so, you know, there definitely is a difference in how it's perceived, maybe not the technical definition, but. Yeah. Um, and your intention you know, behind it, too. Right. Yeah. <laughs> if your intention is to like a chiropractor, your intention is to manipulate the spine like that sounds pretty aggressive and pretty intense to manipulate someone's vertebrae or the spine or their body in whatever way. But it's for the intention of helping them as well. So, I mean, I you could argue that people that are using persuasion or manipulation in these ways for marketing or sales that actually have a service or offer to to bring something that's really a value that that has to make a difference also. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And there's a whole nother conversation about like the difference between the two is based on the intention behind it. Um, But is it based on the intention and how it's perceived by the person receiving it or by the person giving it? Because if the intention is technically bad or negative or the intention is, is negative uh, by the person, but it helps somebody achieve a positive result, then which one is it? Interesting. What's an example of that? Do you have an example of that? Um, <laughs> I mean, you could p- probably have somebody sell some type of crypto yeah. trading advice and they're just, you know, you know, making intentions shit up. to make money. To- yeah. Make yeah. money, make shit up. You know, let me sell this bogus strategy that you know i'm just making up right Mm. and it just happens to tell them to invest in bitcoin at the beginning of this year and it's at you know whatever uh multiple it is now i think it's you know obviously i don't know when we're posting this but i think today or yesterday it hit like forty five thousand. um so yeah i got what you're saying yeah they're they're receiving a positive result despite mm-hmm. the intentions being not not there. That's interesting. What what do you do when you're choosing to work with different clients? How do you choose? Do you, is that something that's on your radar of what type of service or value or quality they're bringing? Yeah, intention? normally like normally the people I work with that aren't good at like they're not good at um they're experts uh and uh, they have a really great product. They're just like not marketing it the right way. Mm-hmm. And uh, I shift uh, the way that they market it, and you know, like change the messaging 
and how it's perceived, the hook, like how we grab attention, how we nurture those people into buying the product and how we actually channel desire onto the product. And like uh, those, those are going to be generally the people that are very good at what I do um, have shitty products because they can do all that. But the people that I work with generally that are asking for my help are normally really focused on the product. Mm-hmm. Um, so they, they have a very, like very well designed, developed product or they're an expert. What they do depends on if it's information, if it's a service-based business, they have a ton of testimonials of the people who have used it, or there's a lot of research backing the ingredient. Let's say I'm working with a supplement company, you know, and they, I, I, I'll be able to tell if the product's good or not just cause I've been in the industry for so long. Yeah. Um, and I, I'll know if it's, you know, like, then people will be like, well, what about like if you try to promote like a red light therapy device? And I'll be like, well, first of all, like there's plenty of good research to show that it'll help somebody. Um, mm-hmm. So I wouldn't feel like poor intentioned uh, if that's a word. If that's yeah. like a word. Yeah, yeah. I uh, like I, I wouldn't feel bad or guilty to promote something like that, especially if I believe in it. Now, um, if I don't believe in something, but it shows to have worked and plenty of people are raving about it, like I still probably I, I probably do it because like if people are wanting it, it's getting them what they want, you know. Um, mm-hmm. But as far as the filtration process for clients, like I'll generally be able to tell if they have good products or not. Uh, there's a lot of people selling uh, snake oil still, mm-hmm. but I'll, I'll be able to cut them out pretty pretty yeah. fast. Like. Do you think? Um, do you think there's yeah. more people snow- selling snake oil today? Do you, is it easier to sell to sell snake oil today? I think there's a lot of people in the business opportunity as of recent that are mm-hmm. like becoming coaches. Uh, yeah. That like have no uh, place to be one. Yeah. Um, and like when I think I'm like, what are you gonna help this person do? Well, uh, you know, like if that's if that's the hesitation, then like it's an immediate no. Yeah. Um, you know, cause what's going to, you know, refunds and like, how long is this business going to last? Not very long. Plus I don't really capture people at that like startup stage anyway. Right. Um, yeah, so, we, well, we, I mean, we've seen that over at high impact coaching and we see it sometimes with our clients that come in, they're like, I'm going to be a business coach. We're like, great. What business have you started and created and run and who have you helped do it as well? They're like, nobody, but I'm going to do it as we go. It's like, no, 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 no. Doesn't, doesn't quite work that way. Um, and yeah, that's definitely a, a real thing because I, 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 you know, I think that it's probably an easier thing to sell if you can sell a return on investment, like, Hey, I can help you make more money that tangible ROI, people are probably more likely to jump for it, even if it is snake oil. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, question for you. So you, you mentioned the, the PT, the physical therapy, you mentioned the supplements, you're, you're pretty into the health and wellness s- sphere and space. Is that right? A ton of it, dude. I, uh, I have, uh, let's see, is it on this arm? No, it's on this arm. So I have like a, Whoa, what's um, that? That's a CGM device. Uh, so it, it tracks my uh, glucose um, throughout the entire day. So it's continuous. CGM starts f- stands for continuous glucose monitor. Uh-huh. So I'm tracking that. Uh, has a lot of effects on your energy levels. And yeah. I can tell which foods like I handle really well mm-hmm. and which gives mm-hmm. me sustained energy throughout the day. Are you, are, um, you, are you diabetic or no? No, 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 not at all. Uh, I was checking to see if I was pre-diabetic or anything like that. But yeah. Now, you know, but I've also done things to like optimize it because we all know that there's a direct correlation between high glucose levels and aging. So, mm-hmm. like, you know, obviously, 28 years old right now, and I'll slow mm-hmm. aging as much as possible to make it look like or seem like I'm in my 20s for much longer. Yeah. Than I am actually in my 20s biologically. So, um, yeah, like, you know, obviously, I know that. You know, that's why a lot of people have gotten into the paleo, keto, you know, it's like it it does, you know, some people does wonders for their skin, the way they look, you know, their jawline, their hormones, like plenty of stuff like that. How, you know, I'm not keto, paleo or anything like that. Um, But uh, I do, I do eat healthy, but I even eating healthy might not necessarily mean it's healthy for you. Mm. So you have to get feedback and data. Um, I'm sitting, you know, behind me is my infrared sauna. I got that. I nice. got, I'm wearing, I'm wearing, like, I'm all about wearables. So I got oh, yeah. like the, the aura ring. 
Um, I got one of these whoop check. straps that's are these are pretty sweet too. Yeah, yep. That's uh, that's that's a huge one in the NBA and NFL. I think whoop. Yeah. Um, yeah, I love like getting feedback and data uh, in marketing, and like obviously I love it in health. Um, like, cause otherwise, like, how do you make data driven decisions? Like you, like, I can't just be like, oh, this, you know, like you can generally sometimes feel it, but it's better right. to have like feedback with actual data. Um, yeah. When, my question is when does too much data become too much data? <laughs> like when, do you know what I'm saying? Be, it'll be different for the person depending on like, if it makes them like stress out about it. Yeah. Like, I got gotcha. you. Um, for example, I think it puts you in a very uh, bad mental state if um, you look at your ordering statistics in the beginning of the day. Um, just because if you have bad sleep, you'll like psych yourself out, mm-hmm. and you'll be like, "Oh shoot, I had a bad, I had bad sleep." Right. I'm I'm not going to be productive today. Right. You know. Whereas, like, I'll look at it at night. So like I'll be like, oh wow, look at how much I got done despite my sleep score. There being you this. go. That's good. You know? That that's where I worry about like how much data is too much data, and we're just placeboing ourselves into believing like, oh, I can't do this because my data is telling me this. When we can check in and use the the feedback that we're getting from our emotions, from our body, from our thoughts, from our feelings, from our energy levels, and use that as feedback also. But I think it's really cool that we live in a day and age where we can pair both of those and we can use, we can have multiple sources of feedback to to validate different things, confirm different things, give us insights on on different levels. So I. I pretty fascinating well i have hypotheses and like a little experiments that i do Mm -hmm. um to try to see like what really impacts a lot of these things what i found though is is quite fascinating with so many of these different tools like things that are traditionally seen as like you know givens aren't always true for everybody like for example you know you would assume that my blood sugar spikes when i eat a meal like after i eat a meal Um, when actually for me, it's, it's only based, it's, it's, it's heavily based on stress levels. Hmm. Um, so I could eat a whole pizza and, uh, if I'm not working that day and, you know, having a good time, my blood sugar won't go up nearly as high, um, as if I eat a healthy meal and I'm stressed out. Interesting. So, you know, you know, you'd be like, oh, well that's, you know. There's, a, there's other um, factors. Kind of, yeah, yeah. There's a lot more factors than what you're just, you know, putting into your body uh, or, mm-hmm. well, putting into your mouth. Right. Um, so what are you putting into your brain? What are you putting onto your body? What are you putting all all the other things? Who are you spending yeah, time yeah. with? Yeah, yeah. Environment. Yep. I mean, if you're at the beach, I had a guy tell me, he's like, dude, I feel so much better if I'm eating crappy food at the beach than if I'm sitting in my concrete jungle high rise uh eating a salad that's so funny i bet that that's a real thing i bet i I don't doubt that at all yeah it's just a total you're you're vibing at a totally different state i believe like you know there's so much chemistry that we don't understand um and i i love how people like act like we know so much about the body yeah and there's so many things we don't understand you know, yep, it's pretty remarkable how much we do know, and even more remarkable how much we don't. Yep. Uh, are you are you fully healthy right now? I know you're going through some health challenges. Are you fully? Are you healthy? Where? How are you feeling? Yeah, I'm feeling pretty good, dude. Um, good. yeah, I, I like. Obviously, it's been a while since uh, you know, I was uh going through a, a little bit of a hard time. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, doing much better now. Like I think. I was going through a, uh, I think everybody goes through a rough patch. Yeah. Um, and it, it, it's, you know, um, situational and circumstantial to depending on like when they're going to go through it. I think everybody has, has a moment. Mm-hmm. I think luckily for me, like I went through it, um, earlier in life and, uh, you know, it, it, it's better cause you're more resilient. So mm-hmm. All right, that's that. That's how I see it, at least. Yeah. So I like that. What other What other things did you learn through going through that quote unquote rough patch, coming out on the other side? Um, that you can't treat yourself like you're fragile. Uh, there's a great book called Anti Fragile. So you go through a tough time, and you see that like uh, I came ref- uh, from a a point in my life where I was like indestructible. Essentially, uh, I thought I was indestructible. It doesn't mm-hmm. matter. Like I, I get it done. You know, like. 
no amount of adversity stops me. Um, and then, you know, obviously you see like how low or like, you know, how human you are. Hmm. And uh, it kind of like hits you, you know, it's like, and then you get to a point where you're like, wow, th- like that can happen in an instant. And, uh, and then you start to like, you know, be overproductive of yourself in a sense. That's how I was. Um, Cause you never want to get there again. Right. Um, and then, you know, uh, there's a, there's a book called anti-fragile that I read that a- a- obviously after like, after much after I needed to read it, mm-hmm. but, uh, but yeah, it was, it was, it, it, it's a great, um, mindset shift for, um, how you view yourself and how I used to view myself. Whereas like, you know, you can handle a lot more things and a lot more adversity than you think you can. I mean, it reminds me of the time that my dad told me like your mind will quit before your body ever will. Hmm. Um, and like, that's, that's such the truth. You know, yeah. there, that's the, it's like, you know, like I used to think of that every time I was, I was uh, running a race and track or whatever. I was like, you know, it's just in my head. Like my body could do so much more right now. So um, true. It's, I love that David Goggins book can't hurt me. He talks a lot about that, about the, what he calls the governor being the, the mental voice that like that governs your ceiling or your limits and that it's, it's just a it's just a voice and you don't have to listen to it. And when the governor starts speaking up and you've got saying it's time to stop, like you've still got 60 percent of the way you're, you're still you've still got a, a lot of fuel left in the tank. Yeah, I love that. It, it's just like a great mindset. So I learned, yeah. you know, like be more anti-fragile, you know, um, and, uh, you know, I've also learned like more appreciation for mm-hmm. the now then uh i still live in the future a little bit you know like if we're talking like there's there's like a lot of people that live in the past a lot of people that live in the future and very few that live in the in the now and the present and uh, i've done a better job of living in the present slowing down and and realizing like life you know it's so cliche but life is short Mm. um and, uh, you know, I, I've actually been studying like how to lengthen perceived time because we can't necessarily change like time, but it's our perception of time that we can change. Right. So, um, wow, interesting. What have you learned? Uh, so new experiences, uh, sh- um, essentially make time seem longer. Right. So that's why, like, I don't know if anybody else has felt this way. But when you're a kid, it feels like time goes by so slow. Mm -hmm. It feels like every year is like so long. And then you start to like grow up and and things. It's just like, wow, that time just flew by. Like when I think about it, I graduated college like six years ago. Right. Damn, that it doesn't feel that way, but it's crazy. I've had plenty of new experiences. Mm -hmm. So, of course, like when I really think about it, it's the amount of density of experiences that will determine your perceived, how long you perceive a time to be. Um, so, you know, obviously it, um, applying that is doing new things um, instead of just being repetitive. Right. Uh, and, that, you know, that's obviously a benefit of being an entrepreneur. Like I can, I can do new things all the time. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, I'm not stuck going to the the same office, the same job. I I work in different places. I talk to new people all the time. Like I'm not talking to the same five to 10 core coworkers, you know, like I'm talking to 10, 15, 20 new people a week. Like I got, I hear different stories all the time and, uh, you know, I'm going to different places. I, I never traveled when I was a kid. Uh, besides like uh, inside the Midwest, that little circle inside yeah. the Midwest. And now, you know, like I started to travel for business back in 2016, seeing different places. Mm-hmm. And, and then I moved out of Chicago and live here and love the West Coast. And uh, I move, eight, I'm, I've been moving every 18 months. Uh, so like I get a new place and it, it kind of like, um, you know, it like it creates that that feeling that yeah. time is going slower. So, so interesting. It reminds me of the uh, I think Abraham Lincoln quote: "It's not the years in a life; it's the life in the years." 
which is pretty much spot on to what that sentiment there, which is, is the truth of it. And I, I, I just simply remember that when you were a kid and there was those long summer days where, you know, your head hit the pillow and you think back to the things you were doing this morning and it felt like ages ago. And I still have those days. A lot of my days, I'm very grateful to say, are like that, where I, when my head hits a pillow, dad, I'm like, dang, like I did a lot today. There was a lot that went down. There was new meetings, new rendezvous, new experiences. And that that to me is the most fulfilling thing to be able to get those new experiences. And the cool part is that tying back to the observation piece earlier is that you don't need to be traveling the world necessarily to do that. You just need to be bringing that presence and that awareness to every interaction throughout the day and and finding the fullness in those moments because it can be the most mundane, boring thing and you can still have the most full day ever because it's all just a game up in your mind. Yeah, and I think everybody wants to end the day with like asking the question, wait, was that today? Yeah, that's good. Uh, like, wow, was that today? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, like sometimes I'm like, wow, wait, did I talk to them today? Did yeah. I send out that email today? No way, man. Yeah. Like that was so long ago, it felt. Um, and I think everybody kind of wants to extend time uh, unless they're in like some severe amounts of pain or right. whatever. And right. they just want it to end. But right. um, besides that, yeah. Um, That's that's really, really fascinating, man. It's, it's, it's great. I know we're coming up on time here, so, uh, we'll, we'll wrap this up, but, um, I, I love it. I love the inspirational note. I love, uh, I love how you're paving the path and, uh, I, I love the mindset that you bring towards this, the data, the feedback, the research to these profound, in my opinion, realizations of, of le- leading a, a, a life that is authentically yours and super fulfilling. It's a, uh, it's a pleasure to have you as one of the others and um yeah man just so much love so much love to you and very grateful for you joining us on here i love what you're doing man uh you definitely put out a certain type of vibe that that is very attractive to uh the people who want to get more out of life so um, i'm happy to be here and just share a few stories with you i love it man i appreciate it and uh best of luck to you we will be in touch uh until next time my friend (laughs) all right sounds good man all right take care bye